Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Open Mic Wrestling. It is me, your host, KJ White, bringing you for fans, by fans, the wrestling podcast that you shouldn't miss. We got lots of content. Today, we're just going to have two bearded gentlemen talking a little wrestling with you. I am joined by Chad from uh, Florida, originally from Syracuse. Welcome, sir. Thank you for joining us here today on the podcast. Thank you for having me, and uh, it's a pleasure. Well, it's good to have you. We're looking forward to kicking this off. Like I said, we're revamping open mic wrestling, so it's a real good opportunity. And like I said, folks, we're just going to talk about wrestling. We're going to talk about the wrestling world. We're going to see what makes Chad tick and what brought him to wrestling. And we're going to go from there. And before I get to that, I just want to remind everybody, if you haven't hit subscribe below, join us. We're taking over YouTube. We've already taken over Instagram. So we are the number one wrestling news source out there. So by all means, like, follow, subscribe, tell your friends. We are here all day, every day, giving you guys the best wrestling content. Now, with that being said, Chad, let's start with what brought you to wrestling? What made you a wrestling fan? Oh, that's a good question. I don't even remember when I started watching. I was that young. Yeah. And I'm a great grandfather's lap uh, during the heyday of early Hulkamania and, yeah. uh, I actually being from New York, I only watched one WWF show a week, and then the rest of it was all W well, NWA because yeah. we had CBS and they had like six programs out on the weekend. Yep. WWF only had one in our area, so yeah, so that's going way back. So yeah. you got to kind of see the evolution of Hulkamania and and the, the WrestleMania shows, and of course MSG being a. Uh, a huge part of the uh you know the wrestling lore yeah unfortunately that's one of the play one of the venues that i haven't been to is msg I went yeah to, you haven't made uh, it there eh? no i went to uh wrestlemania in 2019 and i made it to the barclays i've been there like six or seven times never been to msg right on right on maybe one day we'll see how everything works out so that being said you were uh, obviously a fan of wrestling and then um, I've been told that you got into collecting as well. Oh yeah. Um, so I have roughly 4,000 wrestling DVDs. Um, it's, it's not all like stuff that I've purchased. It's like stuff that you can't find like, uh, Bill Watts, Mid-South Wrestling, stuff like that. People have recorded and then put on the CDs for me. And then I have... I think all but 10 WWE DVDs. Um, I have TNA. I have like probably 60 different promotions. Wow. And That's quite the, the spread there. Yeah. Then uh, beyond that, I have, uh, I have 1,600, uh, w, not WWE, but 1,600 wrestling figures. Wow. Uh, from all over, I have uh, stuff from Japan that I bought while I was there when I went to Wrestle Kingdom. And uh, on a quick side note, what was Wrestle Kingdom like? Oh my god, it was! If you ever get a chance to go there, it is insane. Uh, yeah, the Tokyo Dome is far beyond any stadium I've ever been to in the United States. Uh, if you go there, instead of it being like 
five or six places where you can get food. There's like 30 or 40 places you can get food, and it's all different. All of the, like, even though we were up in the nosebleeds, you could see everything great. Um, if you're a big guy, though, uh, the seats suck. <laughs> and, uh, uh, right. I'm almost 300 pounds, and uh, the seats were narrow. A tight squeeze, and, eh? Yeah. So yeah. we had to, uh, we actually had to get up. They don't, I, I don't want to say this really, but uh, they don't really care like they do here in the United States. If you get up and you go to a different seat that isn't taken, mm-hmm. security doesn't bother you. Yeah. Like here, you go in the uh, different area and they're all up, they're all up in your uh, stuff. Over there, they didn't care. Wow. We, we found an empty section, my wife and I, and we just sat there for the entire show. That's huge. I mean, you can't do that at all in, in North America. You know, they're very strict about where you're supposed to be. So yeah. that's a completely different feel for sure. Oh yeah, it was that was that was pretty cool. Um to be honest with you, it was two days. I was there uh because it was my wife and I, we were going on our uh, honeymoon. So Wow. You got to go to Wrestle Kingdom for your honeymoon. Yes. Well we also <laughs> compromise, we also went to Tokyo Disneyland. Well, it's a fair compromise. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But we did uh, we did the two days of Wrestle Kingdom and everything, and then we went to, uh, what's the superstore over there? The uh, Tudicon. Okay. East Collector Wrestling Superstore. That mm-hmm. is, is nuts. It, they have like DVDs. They have records. They have VHS. They have figures. They have... Uh, like ring worn items from even people over here. I remember. I think I saw Big E's one of his singlets over there. Really? Back. Yeah. So just about everything. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, it, it must be a huge place. Uh, it's two stories. It's um I'm trying to think of something comparable, but uh, it's it's a decent sized store. It's not like a walmart or anything like that now you did mention your wife a couple times so i have to ask is she a wrestling fan is she part of the whole collecting idea or is it kind of your baby so when i first met my wife i didn't know that she was the sister of a local pro wrestler in syracuse new york right on uh, so we had been talking for a few days and i was like Oh man, you're you're so and so's sister, and she's like, yeah. How do you know him? I was like, I give him shit every weekend. <laughs> I would say the most. He was a bad guy, so I'd say the most rotten things to him, and mm. he doesn't remember it. But yeah. And uh, so yeah, she's a fan, and the the setup that I'm going to have going, which if you follow me on Instagram. In a few weeks, I'm going to have my setup posted because I still have to build it. We're still in the moving process. Okay. uh, She had the idea for the whole setup on how we're going to lay everything out. And other than where the figures go, that's going to be on me. That's on you, eh? So that's pretty good. So kind of tag team in the whole uh, concept. And, you know, I mean, it's not every day that you get a a significant other that's into it as well. So that's pretty uh, lucky there, sir. Yeah, that's uh, 
you know, that's one of the benefits of uh, my relationship is we're into almost everything together. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, that's good. So what made you start collecting? Was it just the fact like you were, were you like me, where you had a bunch of toys kicking around when you were a kid and it just evolved from that as you got older or, you know, was it a conscious that was, decision? That was exactly it. Was, yeah. Uh, the, the old school AWA Remco figures were my favorite toy line. And okay. like the Road Warriors and everybody that I just... I loved those figures so much. And then I had the Hasbro ones, which everybody talks about how they're the greatest line of ever. Mm -hmm. For me, they're not. I, I don't like them. They're, they're not as playable for me. But uh, yeah. I grew up with that. I had a good majority of the AWA figures, a bunch of the WCW galoobs. Uh, and then I sold them off to a friend. And then... I sold off, I had probably a hundred of the the Jack's classic superstars. I sold them off to a friend. And then a few years ago, he was like, hey, do you want to buy my collection? And it had exponentially grown. It was over a thousand figures. Okay. Okay, yeah. And I bought it back. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. been nuts ever since. Okay. Just out of curiosity, do you still have any of the old, like, uh, the rubber figurines that didn't move that you could kind of run around and use as a weapon? <laughs> oh, no. I I got rid of those, oh, jeez, like three years ago, I think I got rid of my whole collection of those. Oh, wow. The reason why is because ever since uh, Brian Myers and uh, what the other guy. Cardona? Oh, yeah, that's his name. Okay, yeah. Uh, ever since they came out with their podcast, the price of figures has gone drastically up. Yeah, that was actually going to be one of my questions. I noticed there was a huge boom over the last year. I guess with COVID came, you know, a lot of time for people to kind of go through what they had in boxes. And as you mentioned, uh, we had the podcast come out uh, with Cardona and, and really highlighting the, the collectibles that exist in wrestling. Now you hear a lot of guys out there uh, talking about it. So I guess you've seen a boom uh, price-wise, but also demand-wise. Oh, yeah. It's not just like... It, so the price of those has gone up. Everything mint on card has gone up. Um, and then even the stuff that you see on the toy, like on the shelves at Target or Walmart or wherever, um, it doesn't matter. Like people will go and wipe out the whole section and then it'll go up on Ricari or eBay mm -hmm. or whatever. Like the scalpers are just relentless with this stuff now. Yeah. I mean, it's died off a little bit in the past few months, but when I was in Syracuse, uh, you had to be there right when the people were putting it on the shelf or else you didn't get it. Yeah. Yeah, once they were gone, they were gone, and then the tri triple in the price easy, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, with that, uh, you know, we've seen some of the newer company, well, you know, with AEW, and, and now they're pushing toys, and they've got their deal with uh, Upper Deck. Has that uh, piqued your interest at all? Uh. Yeah, I've I've collected. I've got one of every character that AEW's come out with so far. Right on. I, that's how I am with the WWE stuff. Like, I don't collect every single figure because if I no. do, that, I don't <laughs> yeah, I have one of every character that they've come out with so far, and I'm really excited for the Brody Lee figure because my brother-in-law wrestled him probably 15 times. Oh he wow! Was like somebody that. 
from up in Syracuse, Rochester area, everybody knew he was, you know, he was a hell of a guy. And it's, yeah. It's yeah, no, awesome. he's quite infamous in that area, especially, uh, you know, as, I mean, unfortunate, unfortunately, uh, you know, what happened with Brody. So I could only imagine the anticipation to get it, to get your Don't hands on uh, anything Brody Lee related. Yeah, it's just awesome. Like uh, the shirt that I'm wearing, 2CW, this is the, the local, well, was the local Syracuse uh, company. They had a reunion show. They had been gone since 2015. Okay. And a reunion show this past fall, and the whole thing was dedicated to Brody Lee and everything. Yeah. His wife and his son showed up and everything. So, like, yeah, it's it, it's just awesome to see the outpouring of love for this family. Though. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's something we've talked about on our shows and our watch-alongs. I mean. It's it's kind of a different time. We've seen a lot of wrestlers come and go, and not many were honored kind of the way he was. And, and it was a credit to AEW and Tony as far as putting it on the you know the front street, letting everyone know it, what had happened, and bringing light to it. Instead of you know in the past we get a little video package and it'd be kind of swept under the rug, and as on goes the wrestling. So it was really nice to see, especially with such a great guy. Yeah, I mean. I think I can only think of one person that would ha have a bad thing to say about Brody Lee. That was the guy that he beat up outside of one of the shows. <laughs> yeah, right. Fair enough. So, yeah, that, that was a that was a fun story, but I can't share it here because I don't know all the details. <laughs> Fair enough. We don't want to slander <laughs> anything around here, but no, I completely understand. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, he was highly regarded. Now that being said. Um, what are some of your prize possessions that you kind of hold on to that you may never part with? So I picked up, um, I picked up a mask while I was in Japan. It was the Jushin Thunder Liger mask. Oh wow! And it was it wasn't ring worn, but it was made by the the person who makes them for Liger. Okay. So I mean, Liger has touched it. It just wasn't ring worn because I can't find any footage or anything of it. Yeah. It's uh like a turquoise type of color. Right I have that. One of my uh, good friends had passed away in 2019. He uh, he was bedridden for the last few years of his life, and he gave me this piece of uh, a broken table from a 2CW show. And I'm not kidding you, it's probably like this big. Okay. And it's signed by the Young, Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, um, Eddie Edwards, Davey Richards, uh, all sorts of, you name it, they're, that went to 2CW, they're probably on there. That's uh, pretty amazing right there. wrote on there, uh, <laughs> he signed it, it says, uh, F. Jason Axe, who <laughs> Axe is my brother-in-law. Okay. F. Jason Axe, Brody Lee, which is nice. awesome. Like, that's amazing, yeah. That, absolutely priceless with something like that. Absolutely. That's so those really are a couple cool. of my prized possessions that I would never get rid of. Absolutely. Sentimental to me. Oh, for sure. I mean, I mean, the figures come and go, and it is what it is. If you got anything personal like that, that's pretty cool. So that's amazing. And you even touched on, like, AWA and, and things like that. So would you consider yourself more of the an old-school fan? Are you good with modern wrestling? Um, how you feeling? Do you miss kind of the old territories? I miss the old territories. I do, but at the same time, I like I like modern wrestling as well. Yeah. I like 
I'm a fan of the progression, um, but not to be one of those like typical like I hate WWE fans. I can't watch their product right now mm-hmm. because it seems as though they start up something and then they just mm-hmm. cut it right off and there hasn't been a payoff to anything lately. Yep. And if there is, it's kind of lackluster. Absolutely. Like, um, other than, I mean, I still, I will, I still follow what they do. Mm-hmm. I just, I can't personally watch it right now. I'm hoping that they, uh, something happens where they change it and it starts to become better again, in my opinion. But yep. I watch everything. I've, uh, New Japan, AEW. Mm-hmm. Um, I like I said, I have sixty different promotions of footage in my that's, in my garage. So that's insane. Is there any any of that footage that you kind of like a go to throw on for a good time's sake, um, or is it just all kind of libraryed? For me, it depends. It depends on my mood. Like, uh, excuse me. Uh, Sometimes I'll throw on some like old school Ring of Honor or uh, old school uh, the Mid Atlantic type yep. of, thing. or uh, if I just want to watch like a bunch of random gimmicks at once, I'll throw on a Survivor Series. Or <laughs> right. Yeah. But yeah, the, those are my go tos for something yeah. like that. But if I'm trying to show somebody something like. I don't know. Uh, I have some FMW stuff from Japan. I'm like, oh yeah, you want to see something like? <laughs> think it's fake. Watch what these people do. Yeah, it's it's hard to use the fake word when you watch some of the FMW stuff or any, even some of the CGW stuff. Like it's just crazy how they uh, they're they're in and uh, yeah, it's um, predetermined is a much better word when you watch that. It makes it very loud and clear. Yes, um, watching Megumi Kudo get beaten up by uh, I forget her name right now but it was Megumi Kudo supposed to, supposed to be your last match and she's like 5 foot nothing maybe 100 pounds and yep. she's doing stuff that guys my size aren't doing and it's 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 intense oh absolutely um, and it's funny because you mentioned the gimmick thing because I just did the same thing I, I've been going through uh, old Royal Rumbles to because you kind of get a good collection of guys all in one shot and kind of remind you who was around and what was happening so um, making my way through those and then Survivor Series is another good one for that exact same reason um, but yeah no that's crazy I, I mean I can't imagine how much footage was there and how long it took to collect it all I've been collecting since uh, 2003 and I stopped I want to say the end of 2018, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Uh, actually, no, I take that back. It wasn't 2018 because we had a flood and it damaged some of our stuff and mm-hmm. I rebought stuff. So I would say maybe the middle of 2019 was when mm-hmm. I stopped. So a good 16 years. That's crazy. It makes It takes me back to like the old tape trading days and, where you know you would you would swap out or buy a couple you know get your hands on a couple VHS and be able to you know catch up on uh, you know some of the the territories or some of the promotions that you never had access to. Oh, uh, my mind was blown when I got 
you know, when I was a kid and I got a hold of some of the other tapes that weren't WWE or, or some of the mainstream, uh, more mainstream markets. So, yeah, I mean, it kind of got oh. that field, I guess. I mean, with all that kind of, you know, with all of that, I mean, you must have, you know, whole seasons and series of, of uh, you know, runs between, uh, you know, the old territories and such. Oh, yeah. I have uh, full seasons of UWF, uh, WCW, ECW, uh, Crockett's promotion, um, WWF Superstars and Wrestling Challenge, like all sorts of different stuff I have full series of, or full seasons of, I should say. So it's there's a lot there, and I... I can assure you I have not watched it all. <laughs> yeah, right. How, who has the time? But, um, yeah, with that being said right now, I guess you know, one of the major debates, speaking of territories and footage and film and all that fun stuff, is, um, you know, right, the two top dogs as far as everyone compares is AEW and WWE. Um, obviously, you've already touched on the fact that you're having trouble watching the WWE product. How do you feel like the AEW product is uh, coming along, developing? Do you consider yourself a fan? I'm a big fan of what they're doing. Uh, I mean, personally, I like. I've been watching for my whole life, and I would do certain things different. But like, I say that about every product. Yeah, absolutely. Like, a fan is never going to be 100 percent happy. Like, if with what's going on, mm-hmm. if they say they are, I don't believe it. Right, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of what they're doing. There's certain things that I would do a little bit different, but uh, not mentioning WWE so much would be one of them. <laughs> right, that's, that's one of their favorite things too, especially with the the ex WWE guys. I mean, it has a time and place, but when you overdo it and everyone's doing it, it kind of feels a little, you know, sour for no no reason. Yeah, um, kind of bummed out that Ring of Honor went on. Uh, is going out. Um, I mean, they're supposed to be coming back in April, but yeah. I wouldn't hold my breath. But uh, yeah, I I really like everything that's going on right now, other than WWE's product. It just right. there's something going on there. I don't know what it is, and it's. Like with releasing everybody and mm-hmm. the way their product is gone, it's just, it's very. I, I there's a word there, but I can't I can't. <laughs> I call it cookie cutter. It's very very flat, and you touched on it earlier. As far as I think, for the real wrestling fans like you and I, who kind of grew up on it, we were always pulled in by the stories, right? Like you know, you had these big personalities and these larger than life superstars. You know, even like a Hulk Hogan, and people can say what they want about what he did in the ring, actually. But then, you know, he's in a program with Macho Man, and, you know, there's tension about, you know, Elizabeth. And and you follow that story to some type of conclusion. And I think WWE has lacked that really, you know, for quite a while where, like you said, they kind of get into it. And then either you don't get an ending, they give up on it, or, you know, you get a lackluster finish to it. So... I mean, that kind of makes it hard. Like, we do the watch-alongs for Mondays and, and Fridays as well. And we want to be fans. We want to cheer them on. But they're just it just feels like, you know, 
the, you're missing the plot. And I think you gave the example of, you know, sitting on your grandfather, your great grandfather's knee, watching old wrestling. And that's how I came into wrestling was my dad. And, and I feel like that at that time, the adults were watching wrestling and the kids, you know, felt kind of big to be able to watch it. And, and that's changed a lot. Yeah. Um, another thing is, is like back in the day, you remember the eighties in WWF, even in, the the other promotions everybody had a story yeah everybody uh the brooklyn brawler had a story yeah like, everybody had a story now i think it's been since probably 2005 maybe that you have your main stories and then you have a couple of sub stories and then everybody else is just kind of fodder for everybody else yeah yeah no i would i agree with that wholeheartedly like uh they'll they'll throw together two random like like sheamus and cesaro they turned out to be a great tag team yep but they were just excuse me uh i ate just before this and i not a problem it happens bro they were just thrown together and then they turned out to be a great tag team. But then they, they would put together like back in the day, they put together the American badass and the rock. Yeah. Like two polar opposites. And then it's that, that kind of stuff. It's, it's silly. It's like, it's insulting to our intelligence and they just, Mm -hmm. they do these kind of things and it makes it, makes it unwatchable for me like mm-hmm. where they they go from having like the all these tag teams and all these storylines to just okay well now we're gonna interject uh these two random guys from the main event scene that we don't have anything for right now. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's too common. And you use the word silly. It's one of the ones I I use quite a bit because I think that's one of the things that puts me off with the WWE product is just the silliness of it. And like I said, we used to, you know, watch the shows with grownups because it was, you know, you know, two men or two women fighting over adult problems. They had conflict, they had they had issues, and now it's just real fluffy. And to your point, we see it every week where they have the one or two main storylines and then everything else is just filler to get to those storylines. Yes. And it makes for a real lackluster product and they have lots of airtime to waste, which is unfortunate. I think it was either last year or it was around this time. It was either last year or the year before they had, uh, it was Roman Reigns and Baron Corbin feuding. Yes. And it had to have been the year before. Yeah. Baron Corbin was on that SmackDown. It was uh, just before Christmas or just after Christmas. He was on that SmackDown for 45 mm-hmm. minutes of the two-hour show. Yeah. And just to lead up to a Roman Reigns match, and I think it might have been the one where they put the, the dog food on him or whatever. Yes, that's right. That's right. That's when I stopped watching. There was no reason for it. Like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you get that where it's just, like you said, they oversaturate one or two guys, and it's really like they, they haven't found, and I mean, you look at the height of WWE popularity, like through the Attitude Era and such, I mean, every segment, like you said, every character had a story, whether it was Mick Foley or Stone Cold or 
you know, like you said, the the even some of the lesser lights, like uh, you know, um, the, the disciples of apocalypse. Or yeah, like yeah, they all had a story. They all had something about them, and and whatever rivalry, each segment was kind of building that, and it was more than just a week to week show. You kind of carried through and. You know, you were curious what was going to happen in the first hour and the second hour. It wasn't just the key yeah. spots. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, that's another thing. I wasn't a huge fan of the Attitude Era. I was yeah. WCW and ECW. And yep. Like, there was, I don't know. I did watch WWE during that, but 1999, it was just like an, uh, 2000. Mm-hmm. Where, I don't know, May May I'm giving birth to a hand and stuff like that. Just, <laughs> you got yeah. I should have been eating that stuff up, but I just I don't know. It was cringy to me. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's where I think some of the current fans, especially if you you kind of bag on AEW a little bit, you know, the fans kind of come rushing to the aid and they point out to moments like that. But I don't think good wrestling fans or true wrestling fans were really into those moments. Like it was, you know, the slapsticky silliness that they kind of put in the middle of everything else that we were enjoying so yeah no, i completely agree and then i think wcw at that time was kind of rolling and they, and they were giving us a lot and you know we weren't getting diesel or, or razor ramon we were getting scott hall kevin nash they were giving us more of that element now granted they kind of slipped and started giving us everything on a pole match and and things like that by the end but no to your point i think a lot of the fans were kind of finding that's a lot of that momentum that WCW was able to build and then, then just kind of grew on until it went flat. Oh, yeah, that was uh, it was uh, Vince Russo 101. <laughs> right? Just stick everything on a pole. Viagra, you know, Buff Bagwell's mom, everybody just up on the pole. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like I, like I said, though, like I'm not 100% happy with everything that's going on in AEW either. Like, I yeah. It's... Like, I like the CM Punk uh, MJF thing. That yep. I think that's great. Um, his CM Punk's first feud back was with the, the I like turtles kid, <laughs> however long ago. Like, I didn't, I didn't care for that too much. Like, yep. I don't know, just that one felt flat. Like, fell really flat for me. But, mm-hmm. um, I just, I don't know. He, I. I'm a big punk fan, but I feel like he has to be in there with somebody that can rival him not only in the ring but on yeah. the ring as well. Yeah, and Darby- yeah, I think with punk, I mean the punk Darby thing again. Like you said, it was a bit flat. It was just kind of like I'm happy to be here, and you know he's an up and comer, so let's do it. Um, I got really excited when Punk and Taz started going at it because Taz another kind of Mike General, like you said. Um, and MJF, to his credit, as young as he is, he he doesn't seem to lack confidence or charisma. And this, I, I, my my opinion has been that the MJF CM Punk rivalry is probably some of the best, if not the best, stuff we've got from AEW since uh, the inception of it. So it's real. Again, it's kind of that old feeling of, you know, two guys have a problem with each other and they're going to talk about it and then they're going to fight about it. And, and yeah. you know, we kind of appreciate that. The other, my other gripe with uh, AEW is they have so much talent right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, they have the two internet shows, but then they have mm-hmm. the two TV shows and the two TV shows are mostly just the top talent like it's yep. 
it's gonna they're gonna run into the same problem WCW did with building yep. new stars. Yeah, between you and I, I keep uh, I keep um, actively petitioning for a Monday night AEW show just to put some of the talent elsewhere. Because what are you going to do? And that's actually one of the questions I had, from, uh, you know, that I wanted to discuss today was, and you already touched on it with, you know, WWE's had all these releases or speculation and rumors to why, and we won't get into that. But you see all these releases. Are they releasing too many? And is AEW scooping up too many, right? Yeah, I would say that they're releasing too many just based on, like, WWE style. They, they call it the safe style. Yeah. With how often they have run in the past and how often they have these people wrestle in the travel schedule, they get hurt more often than anybody else. Yep. And But it's the safe style. And it's just... With all the releases, that I have a feeling that they're going to have to end up hiring people back, or they're not going to have enough stars when their their people do get injured. Yeah, it, yeah. It almost feels like they're getting close to getting rid of the the brand split, or you know, because they're not going to like if you look at the two rosters separately, and you know, we did a, a mock draft for this year's uh, fan uh, this year's wrestling draft. And the talent level became real thin, real quick. And, um, you know, you're almost at that point where do you really need two brands and two champions and, you know, everything split down the middle. You know, both shows are kind of weak and you get a lot of, you know, that's how you get 10 weeks in a row of Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler picking on, you know, um, Rusev's wife. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think we get a lot of rinse and repeat because of it. Well, I mean, that that's another thing that WWE has been doing for years and years is, uh, like, <clears throat> they had, uh, I remember WCW did this thing where it was uh, Benoit versus Booker T, best of seven. Mm -hmm. And uh, a few years later, WWE did the same thing. But I want to, if I'm not mistaken, it seemed as though in early 2003 there was, like, five weeks in a row where it was Booker T versus Christian. Yeah. Every single Monday Night Raw. And it's just something that WWE over the years has been running with is mm -hmm. like the same matches over and over yeah. again. Like back in the day when they would do the house shows, uh, they would do, I don't know if you're familiar with upstate New York, but within the I-90 corridor, there's, Mm -hmm. Albany, Utica, Syracuse, Rochester, Buffalo. Yeah. They would have the same match in Albany, then they would have the same match in uh, Syracuse, and then they would have it in Buffalo. Mm -hmm. And then they'd go around the loop, and they'd go down to Binghamton, New York City, and then they come back up and do Syracuse and Rochester, and they would have the same the same exact matches. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, that's how the guys get comfortable with each other. But doing it on television week after week, that mm -hmm. ends up not... It doesn't translate well to the fans. Yeah. I went, I've went. i only ever been to one house show. Like, I've been to probably, say, around 20 WWE shows. Only mm -hmm. ever been to one house show. You want to know what the best match was? What's that? Mojo Rowley versus No Way Jose. <laughs> really, eh? Yeah. That was yeah. the best match of the card. Everybody was rooting. Everybody was cheering. They're doing stuff that they weren't allowed to do on TV. The yep. match is great. And then the rest of it was just like, oh, yeah, I made a WWE show. Might as well yeah. see. 
Yeah, no, that, that, I mean, that surprises me, the two names that you said, but it doesn't surprise me that you, know, you get the guys out there and you just let them loose. And it's amazing what they can actually do without all, you know, with all, all those constraints and how they're supposed to deliver it. And I've been highly critical of the WWE as far as using matches to build up storylines. And, and, you know, you, you being somebody that's gone through some old footage, I mean, when two people had a, a legitimate problem, a legitimate beef with each other, they stayed away from each other. You didn't get a whole lot of physical interaction unless the, the heel jumped somebody or, you know, the baby face was trying to get a, a little bit of a comeback. Or, But for the most part, that was building the anticipation. And when you see, you know, the same wrestlers each week leading into a pay-per-view, then what's the point of the pay-per-view? We've seen all the moves. We've seen all the, the moments. So... Yeah, I mean, I, I miss that kind of rivalry building. And another thing that they would do, excuse me, back in the day leading up to a big match was, for example, it would be, okay, so we're going to have Rusev. He's going to go against Kevin Owens. So Rusev is actually feuding with Roman Reigns. So Rusev goes and he's beaten Kevin Owens, and then Roman Reigns comes and attacks him. Well. Mm -hmm. Then you get Roman Reigns' match, and he's going against Sami Zayn, and then Rusev comes and attacks Roman Reigns. You're building branches off from this so that down the road, in case either one of these guys gets injured, you have a backup storyline. Because yeah. you have Kevin Owens and uh, Roman Reigns beating up on Rusev now. Mm -hmm. So Rusev's, Rusev is still mad at Kevin Owens for beating up on him as long as as well as Roman Reigns. And then Sami Zayn is in the mix on the other end. And it's, yep. a, it's, they would build branches off from that. Mm -hmm. And then it would lead to six man tag matches or what have you. And it just, they don't do that type of stuff anymore. And mm -hmm. it, it would not only add to the rivalry that they had because these guys aren't touching mm -hmm. every single week. But they would also have something else to work with. There would be more than just, I hate this guy. Yep. There would be like, okay, well, I don't like his friend either. And mm -hmm. just going from there. Yeah. So they have they have more options than just yep. what they Yeah, and I remember like when I was like way back, like we would get um you know, like they would remind us. So do you remember two months ago when so-and-so interrupted this match? Well, now, you know, whoever it was, now he's pissed at the guy that just got out of a program with someone else and looking for someone to fight. And now we're going to revisit that situation that happened a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago. And they always kind of had a way of pulling things back in and pulling it around and everything kind of had a reason to it. Yeah. Uh, if you watch uh, Crockett's promotion was the best for this. If you watch a Dusty Rhodes promo or a Road Warriors promo or whomever uh, mm -hmm. even at Express, they're all talking about multiple people. They'll talk about their main opponent coming up, but they'll be like, then they'll start talking about Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson. Like, yep. There was a big feud with everybody. It, it yep. was about the titles. It wasn't just, I'm feuding with this guy because the company says so. Like, they, yeah. Just, yeah, and I think you a very good point right there is that uh, it was very much about the titles, wanting to be the best, um, and it, you didn't have to acknowledge just the guy you were mad at, like, you know, uh, and we, we saw it all the time, I mean, and 
I think it's it's a good point, right? Like they they really did talk about other competitors because everybody was competition. Yeah. Like the Midnight Express also talking about feuding with the four horsemen. It's another heel team. Mm-hmm. That's like I said, building branches so that you have something to work with in case somebody gets injured or the storyline that you're going with falls flat. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Now, is there anything, you know, whether it's AEW, WWE, or anything across the board that really, you know, kind of grinds your gears or jumps out as, you know, the, the, you know, you touched on a couple things, but any big things in the industry right now where you're like, I could do without that? Um, or is it just WWE in general at this point? No. I think, again, like I said before, like uh, – AEW adding too many stars. <clears throat> like they just brought in Jay Lethal as well. Yep. And all these guys are going to be wanting to go for a world title. They have, my wife and I did a count a few weeks ago once the WWE did the, the last uh, bunch of releases. And AEW has more world title worthy wrestlers and wwe does now and wwe has three programs three Mm -hmm. different rosters and it's it's very i don't know it's very like there's too much there yeah it's it's just saturated at that point right it's uh i feel like they've picked up too many mainstream guys Mm-hmm. Not that it, that's a bad thing. It's just nope. it's gonna be it's gonna be hard mm-hmm. to where AEW fans are gonna be like, oh, well now all these WWE guys are getting the world title, like yeah. they did when when Jericho got it or when Moxley mm-hmm. got Jericho. It's that's gonna end up happening again, and then the same people are gonna be complaining again. Yeah. About it. Yeah, and I mean, I think we see some of the detractors with, like, even CM Punk, right? Because the thought is, well, he's a world beater. He's going to come in. He's going to run right to the top. And, and I mean, to their credit, I don't mind the fact that they've slow, you know, kind of given him a slow burn. But at the same time, that's kind of how everybody feels about their favorite. Like, Brian should be at the top. Punk should be at the top. Lethal's going to be at the top. Well, not everybody can fit. And, I mean, I give him credit for putting the, the belt on page amongst all this influx. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I I was kind of shocked that they put it on page. Yeah, like, I knew it was coming, but I was shocked that they actually pulled the trigger on it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, they kind of they kind of foreshadowed it, but mm-hmm. like, it, it was still shocking to me that they actually went through with it because not that he's not worthy. It's just you know they have Rusev, they have Punk, they have mm-hmm. Ryan, they have. Omega, they have Moxley, they mm-hmm. have even Eddie Kingston. I would consider yep. towards the upper top or the upper end of things. There, Penta, um, mm-hmm. just so many guys like that could hold their title. That yep, you know, yeah, you get a logjam up at the top, and part of that, I mean, that was part of my theory when we heard the announcement of uh, KO re-signing with the WWE and then now he's going to stay and rumor is Sammy's going to stay as well. 
that had to be part of the consideration of, okay, I can go over there and sign and yeah, I don't have, you know, Vince or Bruce or whoever breathing down my neck and telling me what to do and how to do it. But at the same time, where do I fit in? How do I get to the top of that pile? Or am I just back in the middle of, uh, you know, a cluster that, that is already exists? Yeah. I mean, so I, I've met Kevin, Kevin Owens, uh, probably like 20, 30 times. Okay. Super nice guy. He, he was actually tag team champions with my, uh, my brother-in-law in, uh, two CW. Okay. And, <clears throat> super cool guy. Mm-hmm. And, Am I able to ask again, your, uh, who your brother-in-law was or is? His, his uh, ring name was Jason Axe. Okay. And, uh, Pretty sure I've heard it. He only, I think, to the best of my knowledge, only ever wrestled for 2CW. Yeah, okay. And, uh, so, I was super pumped when Kevin signed. I was super pumped when he came in and he went straight to the top of NXT. His feud with Cena and everything. He gets the title. And then, ever since then, he's kind of been like... Yeah. Uh, everybody's up here, he's down here. Yeah. No, even with the the Roman the Roman rivalry he had there for a little bit and you know, obviously the botched ending to the last man standing match. And then you look, they did the hell in the cell, he was the first guy squashed out of it. Like it was just done. Like he, he, he that whole build up was you know, he's kind of floated in the middle, like you said, for a long time. Yeah. Like he's doing stuff to get himself noticed. Like I watched him get thrown off the cell by uh, Strowman. Yeah, I was like, "Dude, what are you doing? You don't need to <laughs> like that's that's unnecessary. Leave that to somebody else." Like, but I understand why he wants to do that stuff to get noticed. But if you look at look at it the same way. Dolph Ziggler's been doing that type of, not that type of stuff, but he's been going out and putting on all these great matches to get noticed. And then they're just like, oh, yeah. You want to beat somebody cool? Here's Ziggler. Like, it's. Yeah. Doing the stuff to get noticed doesn't get you noticed anymore. Yeah. It only goes so far, right? And again, I think because those moments, those cheap pops, those moments of like, you know, so and so got thrown off the cage. Again, I think for us, I mean, you even look at, you know, Maybe a bad example, but like Austin, right? Like Austin was a guy that just ran around stomping people. He had his moments. But once people started buying into who he was and then the whole anti-establishment kind of character, that's when he got over, right? Those moments where Brett's got him in the, you know, the sharpshooter and he's bleeding and it became iconic. That's what we're lacking for those characters. And I think a guy like Steen, even Bray to an extent, gave us something like that. But then it just fizzles. Like it's almost like the writing can't keep up with that. It fizzles because those aren't the guys that they want us to, to cheer for. It's yeah. Simple as that. Like, you remember uh, after WrestleMania 33, uh, Roman Reigns had beat The Undertaker. Yeah. Yep. And everybody's like, they're, st- they're still trying to jam Roman down our throat and everything like that. Mm-hmm. The whole crowd, for 20 minutes of Raw, is chanting, F you, Roman. Do you yep. think they got it? No, they didn't get it. They're just like, okay, we're mm-hmm. going to down your throat some more. And it just, it's it's who they want. It's it's not up to the fans. Like, I saw a thing the other day. It was 
was it three years ago? They came out on television. They're like, yeah, the authority now. And what? Well, yeah. mm -hmm. The end of the episode. <laughs> yeah. No, it was definitely, uh, definitely lip service on that one. I mean, there was a lot of renewed hope when they gave that big speech and the fans thought. And, I mean, I get it. You can't always cater to what the fans want because then we'll always get a happy ending. But you have to have us buying into what you're bringing us so that, you know, if the heel goes over, we're disappointed, we're bummed out, right? You get the, you know, the 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 tragic ending. And, and then if, on the other hand, when you get a baby face that actually goes over, we're all behind it. We're all popping. We're all, you know, with it. And uh, when you just kind of have that story dictated to you, I remember that rumble that uh, Roman won and, and it went off the air and the whole arena was pissed. Like yeah. not one happy person in it. Everybody knew it was going to happen. And when it happened, everyone was like, I can't believe they did it. Like, I can't believe it. If you look back to a month before that, when they did the Slammy Awards, I was on my computer and it was uh that was the same year that Daniel Bryan had won the uh, won WrestleMania mm -hmm. uh, won the title at WrestleMania, and you're going on W. It was uh for Superstar of the Year, mm -hmm. and I'm looking because it has a little ticker after you vote, and it's like five or six guys. Roman Reigns in second, but he's like probably twenty percent behind. Where mm -hmm. Daniel Bryan is at. Yep. And then just before it goes on the air, Roman Reigns goes past in a landslide. Yeah. And then they have a pre recorded message of Roman Reigns accepting the yeah. wrestler of the or the superstar of the year award. Yep. The whole crowd is booing him. Mm -hmm. Because like they knew that's not mm -hmm. so then fast forward a month. And he's winning the rumble. They had already, they had already jumped the shark on Roman before they even had him do. Yep. That. No, absolutely. And I mean, I think the ironic part about the whole Roman thing is, you know, since 2019, since he came back and he was aligned with Paul, it's been the best we've seen him. And then it's the most, you know, tolerable he's been. Yeah, he's a heel. He gets booed, um, but that's what they're supposed to be getting done now. And. It, again, it's the most well-received and well-regarded from the fans, from the reporters, from everybody. This is the best rendition of Roman because um, it doesn't feel like he's being shoved down our throats. It feels like he's standing on top of the mountain and he's got a bad attitude about it. Exactly. Like, that's what they needed to do from the beginning. Like, mm -hmm. he wasn't ever going to be the, the super Cena where. No. No matter what. Kids are going to cheer this guy. Like, mm -hmm. even like I remember going to shows, and even little kids are like F Roman Reigns. Like, yeah. five, six years old. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. But I mean, he's he's a, good, he's a nice guy. He's mm -hmm. a hell of a wrestler. Like, I mean, sure, he's got the five moves of doom, but like. <laughs> Exciting. Like he he can mm -hmm. put on a performance. Absolutely. Just like Cena did, just like Hogan did, mm -hmm. like The Rock and Austin did. Mm -hmm. It just he wasn't meant to be a baby. They pushed him too hard. Yeah. And, yep. You know, that's that's one of the the detriments of WWE is they they do what they want to do. Like yeah. 
like when uh, two years ago, two and a half years ago now, when they did the same exact storyline for Becky Lynch as they did for Kofi Kingston going into WrestleMania. Yeah. Where the the authority holding them both down. Yeah. It was, I don't know, when they both won, like, yes, Kofi won. This is mm-hmm. awesome. And then Becky won later on, and it was like, okay, yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know, it just, it felt flat because they did the same exact thing with both of them for the most part. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you got this opportunity. We're going to take it away, but then they get it back by the end of the night. Like, mm-hmm. on with that. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's you've done it too much. Yeah, and I think that's where you see the. Uh, I mean, the creative team. The and I know the creative team in WWE has taken a lot of heat over the last while. Not necessarily wrestling minds that are creating and crafting some of this, and and you see it where you know common sense would say. Let's not run this, you know, the same thing up the flagpole twice. You know, let's, you know, gear it a different way. And I, I think a little bit, you get more of that when the writer, when the wrestlers themselves have a little more input on how this plays out because they're going to have that feeling. Well, I don't want to do what, you know, so-and-so did, but this is how I would do it. And it plays better. Yes. Well, not only that, but like one of the, the key things is you're, Everybody used to say you're playing to the audience of one, and that's Vince McMahon. And Mm -hmm. I feel, (laughs) and this isn't this isn't me knocking him. I just I feel he's he's at a point where he's just out of touch, Mm -hmm. and he's he's probably too too old to be in the position that he's in, not to be ageist. <laughs> no, I mean, fair is fair. Like, other people could do it, but mm-hmm. at the same age, but I don't feel that he can because of mm-hmm. his his work ethic. His work mm-hmm. ethic is, like, if you listen to Bruce Pritchard's show, yeah, he's talking about how Vince McMahon's like, oh, sleep is your enemy and stuff like yeah. that. Just the work pace that he sets for himself makes him it mm-hmm. makes him age faster than he probably should yeah, probably i mean you know we've seen him uh, recently on tv and he, he's he's looking a little muppety uh, unfortunately yeah. so um and i mean i think you know obviously no one's going to take away what he's done for the industry and the impact he's had and what a pivotal role he's played and how all this has gone but at the same time you know we all get old we all age I mean, I have trouble relating to 20-year-olds at this point in my life, so I don't exactly know what to put in front of a, a group of snowflakes and figure out what they want. So at the same time, we, um, you know, that's, I think, the case with and with with Vince, and I think the people that he's asking for advice or what do you think about this are too, uh, you know, too driven to say, you know, just yes, whatever you want, Vince. And we're, we see it play out where it's like, who thought of this? How did this get through a group of people, never mind one person, and, and end up on our television? Happy Corbin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Dude. Yeah. Even the, the what was it, Bro Corbin before yeah. that? I just, I'm watching it and I'm like, click yeah <laughs> it just couldn't no, that's, 
Yeah, no, that's definitely a bathroom break moment. Anytime you see Happy, I, I con- constantly rant about my issues with, with Happy Corbin and then what they've got done. I don't know. Like, what does that have to do with wrestling? Like, it's kind of <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. I hate to compare it to this, but the Katie Vick thing. Like, what did that have to do with wrestling? Like, yeah. it's, it's very, I don't know. Yeah. It, it's just, it, it weakens the product. It it makes it silly. And, and it's one of those moments, right? Like, as a wrestling fan, we've always had those moments of having to turn to somebody that's not a wrestling fan and justify just why we watch wrestling. And there's those moments where you turn it on and go, watch this for 10 minutes. I guarantee you'll you'll be sitting on the edge of your seat. This is amazing. This is why I watch. And then there's a whole bunch of shit, like Happy Corbin, where you're like, eh, there you go. It's, yeah, I don't get it either. I'm it's sorry. It's not perfect, but I like it. Like type of yeah. yeah. And I mean, with Corbin, I thought, okay, you write broke Corbin, you give it a, a you know, a push, and, and you write it properly, and then you build it back up. Then all of a sudden he hits the jackpot of the casino, and now it's stupid. I don't care. You're dumb. And this whole giggling routine with Mad Hat, Mad Cap, whatever the hell he is, um, it's awful. It's, it's, it makes for bad TV of any kind, not just wrestling. Yeah, I uh... – Going back on the, the showing your friends thing, my wife's best friend isn't into wrestling at all. Yeah. Uh, and, like, she's never watched it. She pretty much knows nobody other than us that watches it. Mm-hmm. Brought her and her ex over for the Royal Rumble in 2020. Yeah. She was sitting there. She's like, yeah. Like, <laughs> she doesn't watch this. And she, when, when they got home, her... Uh, now X was like, dude, she really enjoyed that. I was like, it's the Royal Rumble. But how yeah. it's, how can you not enjoy it? Like, the way that the, the whole thing is structured with mm-hmm. everything and the surprises mm-hmm. and having other wrestling fans in the room that are jumping out of their seats is, yeah. like, how can you not enjoy that? And then you go from that and you watch the next Monday Night Raw and you're like, ah, oh, what? <laughs> yeah, why? Why was I cheering last night? <laughs> yeah, right. You know, it does beg the question at times, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely been uh, interesting times in the industry. I think, like you said, you've seen a rig, a real big boom in the in the collectibles, um, and, and I think the the access to all different types of wrestling. I mean, I love the independent circuit. I mean, I've got behind um, a lot of things that like MLW and PCW and. Um, there's a lot of brands out there, and I'll even tune into Impact. And, and you know, if you can get through some of the the campy stuff that's on Impact, there is some really solid storylines and characters there too. So it seems like possibly there's prosperous times ahead for wrestling. Maybe not with the WWE, but I don't know. They always seem to respond eventually. Yeah they they always they always get their their uh, poo poo together. Yeah. <laughs> Right now, it, everything looks up. Other than Ring of Honor going out, mm-hmm. it looks positive. Like yeah. it's, I was kind of uh, hoping for a Ring of Honor, New Japan uh, merge mix with AEW mix because, like, yep. seeing Punk or Brian go back to to Ring of Honor would be mm-hmm. would be awesome. Yeah. Or seeing uh, Rusa go down there, yeah, whomever, and just the options were all there, and mm-hmm. it's unfortunate that it didn't happen. 
Yeah, and I even joke now that a uh, Ring of Honor is kind of in the position they're in. I think uh, I said, wouldn't it be just kind of fantasy booking if all of a sudden you kind of have like a Nexus style angle with some of these Ring of Honor stars coming into AEW or into New Japan, um, particularly AEW, with that kind of resentful, like you stole, you ruined our company, you guys yeah. suck, and. I mean, there, there's potential there. Obviously, um, you know, we've seen some rumors of signings and people that are coming from uh, Ring of Honor, and we've seen some show up on Dark already. So, I mean, I mean, there's definitely tons of talent out there. Oh yeah, like I, like you said with that storyline, I could see them coming in and attacking just mainly Omega, Fox, mm-hmm. Cody, mm-hmm. and Page because all of those guys were with Ring of Honor and New Japan and. Mm-hmm when there was that merge there and that mm-hmm. now the now there's AEW and they weren't at either one of them. It did kind of kill off Ring of Honor's business. So yeah, that Yeah. No, I definitely heard. And I mean you look at like you know, even SCU and and some of the talent that had been there for a while that kind of got scooped up in this AEW upswing. It, it, the people that say it didn't really hurt Ring of Honor are completely wrong, unfortunately. And, and yeah, it really did do a number on their business. I'd like to see them bounce back in, in April like they're they're hinting at or suggesting. Did you watch Final Battle? I uh, have not watched Final Battle. Okay. I just started a new job recently, and I didn't yep. have, uh, with Christmas and everything, I didn't have yeah. any stuff. It was one of my favorite shows of this year. I actually caught it a couple of days after when when it live and um, yeah. I mean, as a Ring of Honor fan, it was uh, really cool to see. And you know that last match they did. You know the they actually had the wrestlers come out from the back and they're banging on the ring and cheering uh, Lethal and Grissom on. It was it was a hell of a moment. So I highly recommend it. That's for sure. Yeah, I'll have to uh, I have to figure out how to watch it again. But yeah, yeah it's. It was something that I wanted to watch, but, you know, we just got new dogs. And- yeah, life happens, that's for sure. Um, well, that being said, before we uh, head towards the exit on this uh, this podcast here this week, I'm just curious, um, you said you've uh, bumped into KO a few times. A- any... Uh, any good stories? Any any kind of not so good stories? I know you've uh, you had some interactions with a couple guys that didn't go so well. So uh, I'm just curious throughout uh, your business and the things you've done. Uh, anybody stick out in your mind of uh, like oh, I'll always be a fan of this guy because of you know where you kind of mentioned Brody and, and such. But uh, you know anybody kind of jump off the page? Um, Alistair Black or well uh, Mordecai Black. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I do that all the time. The names are killing me. Um, Kevin Kevin Steen. Um, yep. Funny story, his last show at 2CW, we stood outside in the rain. He was coming up from a Ring of Honor show to Watertown, New York, on the Canadian border. He's, uh, he's kind of late, but he's not that late. So he doesn't know how bad it stormed 30 minutes prior to this. <laughs> and... Uh, so, or this guy is in line, and he pulls out a wad of cash for Kevin for a picture and something else. He's like, "Oh man, why is your money all wet?" He's like, "The guy's like, oh man, it was storming out." And I was like, "Oh, I pulled my my money out of my back pocket," and I'm like, "Oh, my money's all wet for you too, but he's a but uh, he he's a super nice guy. I don't want to say it like." 
in case somebody hears this, but this one time I used to dress up as Eric Rowan for these shows. I'm standing by his merch booth just looking at stuff, and he's like, hey, Rowan. So what? He's like, <laughs> he had his son with him because uh, his wife was pregnant and was having their daughter that week. So, okay. Yeah, I got to run to the bathroom. Can you watch my kid for like five minutes? I was like, oh, yeah, sure. So there I am sitting with this has <laughs> got a Rey Mysterio and John Cena action figure. I was like, you think your father's ever going to have a figure like that? And he's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then after that happened he hooked me up like every time I saw him with DVDs and stuff like that which was really cool That's so, amazing. Yeah, I'm always going to be a fan of Kevin Steeny he's a really cool guy, really down to earth and I mean his wife is super nice too and they're just yeah, you know salt of the earth type of people yeah really, really nice good Canadian people. folk yeah. <laughs> But. Right. Yeah. <laughs> now, speaking of final battle, actually, I believe, uh, you know, Titan or Braun Strowman had uh, made an appearance there. And uh, I think you've had an interaction with Braun. So I don't know how much you can touch on it, but I'm curious if uh, how that went. Um, so my my good friend was in the hospital and he was a big, big Braun Strowman fan. And uh, he was. He was very much on his way out, but he, uh, all he wanted was like a 30 second shout out from Strowman, like anything like that. And we had over the course of a weekend, at least thousand people tag him and stuff. Not only on Instagram, but Twitter, AJ from wrestling news helped me with it. Everybody was tagging him. Nothing. Nothing. I was like, yeah, okay. Like, you know. That's unfortunate. I mean, he, yeah, he's a busy guy and everything like that. But to see what he was posting that weekend, mm-hmm. just see him like, oh, man, this guy's a big fan of mine. Like, maybe I'll just say something. It's just, yeah. Yeah, and that didn't work out. Anyone else you, you kind of rub elbows with and get a bit of static? Uh, one time I did with uh, Raven. He, uh, he oh. was like a jerk to me for, for a second. I was like, dude, I know where you live. <laughs> like, how do you know where I live? I was like, dude, I live like you know 30 miles from you. And he's like, how do you know? I was like, because you, know, you have the – at the time he had like a tour bus and had Raven on the side. Okay. It's like, okay. You, you caught me. <laughs> and then, other than that, the only other person that I ever had any sort of issue with was Matt Cardona. Really? Uh, this past year at the uh, WrestleCon, I, uh, as soon as I walked up to him, he was kind of giving me the stink eye. Like, I mean, I used to, online, I would kind of give him uh, stuff <laughs> for... Yeah, but like, be like, oh, my collection's bigger than yours. Just like you know, banter, not anything mm-hmm. like hurtful. But then, like, I listened to the podcast for a while, and I, I figured, I thought he was a jerk, and then I just figured, no, he, he does not talk to people. He just, mm-hmm. he seems very standoffish. So I met him. He was kind of standoffish, but I st- sort of warmed up, like, got him to warm up to me for a bit. 
I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm moving down here because he lives in Orlando. I was like, you know, any good spots that aren't like Target and Walmart down here where I could, you know, maybe find older figures and stuff. So he's telling me about a couple of places, and then he just makes one up. Oh, wow. Just gave me some false name. (laughs) Oh, yeah, this place. And I immediately went out and I looked it up and it doesn't exist. Wow. And then, um, so the next day, like I had gotten a hold of my friend who's a tattooer in New York, who's putting out a tele, who's been trying to put out a television show for the past few years. Okay. And uh, it's about collectibles and tattooing. I was like, I walked up to Matt Cardona. I was like, hey, I have a, a request from a friend who would like to, you know, do something with you. Maybe if you give him a 30 second shout out, mm-hmm. I can pay like a couple hundred bucks for it. Mm-hmm. He's just like, he looks at me, he goes, no, that's a conflict of interest. Like you run a podcast about wrestling figures. This guy's running a podcast or running a television show about all sorts of collectibles. Yeah. It's not really a conflict of interest, but whatever, like that's cool. And then, like, two days later, he contacted my friend. And was like, oh, wow. I want to buy this stuff from you, acting like I'd never even talked to him before. Wow. And yeah, it was just. That's, uh, yeah, it's always interesting when you uh, you meet the stars. You never know what you're going to get. Yeah, it's, they say don't meet your idols, but I, I've never, other than those, well, technically two, because Raven ended up being a nice guy. He was actually yeah. cool, but, like. <laughs> Yeah. Other than those two, is just wow. Oh, everybody's been really cool. Yeah, well, that's what you hope is that when you meet them, they're going to be half decent and uh, kind and caring. And it's, you know, even with Braun, you you kind of think that being what they do and to be in the limelight, take a couple minutes to you know give a nod to somebody in, in troubling times and hard times, wouldn't be so much of an ask. But uh, I think generally, I mean. And my experiences have been pretty positive, but as yours have been. So there's always an exception, one or two there. So yeah, that's for sure. I've met probably 500 wrestlers. Everybody, like, I met Scott Steiner, and he was with Rick Steiner. Everybody's like, oh, how is Scott Steiner? I was like, one of the nicest guys I've ever met. They're like, what? Really, eh? Yeah. He didn't flip out on you and, like, put you in the Steiner <laughs> or anything? Like, Start giving you math equations? Yeah, right? <laughs> No, no that's funny. Yeah, he was one of the nicest guys. Like, it's weird. Yeah. And I guess it's all in how you approach everybody, too. Like, yeah. If you walk up to them when they're coming out of the pisser and, hey, mm-hmm. sign this, like, yeah. you're probably going to be a jerk. Or you can mm-hmm. get them when they're eating or whatever. But, like, yeah. Yeah. No, that, that makes good sense, right? Yeah. That's good. So, yeah, you've you've met like 500 wrestlers. You have a giant collection of video and footage and and collectibles, which is awesome. Uh, I guess one last question for you. Is there anything out there right now or any type of collectible that's kind of been on your radar that you've been like, man, if one day I'd like to get a a hold of that or or, or anything like that memorabilia-wise? That's a good question. Right? You're like, I want it all. <laughs> um, I think if it were up to me, 
and I could have one thing of wrestling history of all time, I would say probably a title belt. You know, I'm not talking like the like I'm talking like a ring used title belt, but it wouldn't be like you go back to the territories. Yeah, it'd, be, it'd definitely be one of the territories. It'd either be the UWF, the original Ring of Honor belt, uh, yep. or NWA uh, television title. Because yep. those, those titles look the coolest to me. Or even, uh, excuse me, the NWA uh, US tag team titles. Yeah. Those titles looked really cool to me. But, right on. Like, I mean, that's asking for a lot, but it's not asking for much compared to like the NWA title or something like that. Like, yeah, really worth a lot of money. But mm-hmm. I mean, nothing wrong with shooting for the moon, but yeah, no, definitely a, a belt or two, especially a ring worn one. Um, that's always something I've wanted to have more stuff of, like ring worn or um, you know, mass and or you know, jackets and stuff like that. But we'll see how that goes over time. But uh, other than that. I thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us on Open Mic Wrestling. It was a pleasure. I'm sure we can have you back sometime. We'll talk more stories. Maybe we'll dive in a little bit of uh, some more of your interactions with some of the professional wrestlers out there. But uh, thank you so much, Chad. It has been a pleasure. And uh, everyone else out there, thank you for tuning in. That is the king of old school, Chad, hitting us up from Florida. As always, I am KJ White, and I will see everybody on the flip side. Don't forget, subscribe, like, share, tell everybody you know we're here. It's the best wrestling content on YouTube, on Instagram. We are taking over, folks. So by all means, hit that subscribe, join our family. And like I said, I will see everybody on the flip side.